ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. My name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. I believe Matt is fighting through uh, some illness tonight. Yeah, I was up in uh, I was up in Rhode Island visiting uh, the one and only Zach Malibu this past weekend, and I come to, came down with some sort of weird Rhode Island virus. Uh, so I'm I'm doing pretty well, but if uh, if my voice starts getting all scratchy and I start I start sounding like John Laronitis, uh, then you know, that's, that's the reason why. Uh, but my lovely wife, I think at some point, is going to be giving me some hot tea. So I think that'll, uh, <laughs> I think I'll be fine after that. I meant that to, uh, I meant to watch Final Battle so we could have a discussion on it, but I did not get to it. But it's on my to-do list. I saw some, I saw some of that, but I did not see all of it. I heard Zack Saber Jr. versus Jonathan Gresham and um, Jeff Cobb versus Adam Page were off the charts. I uh, didn't see the Gresham match. Uh, I did see the Cobb page match, which was very good. It, that I didn't see every match uh, on Final Battle, but that from all the matches, I, uh, all the wrestling I did see between this and <clears throat> TLC, uh, that could match of the weekend. Well, let's get into that in just a second. Let's go ahead and get our. Uh get our plugs out there um we would love to hear from you all uh we have several social media platforms post to us to hear from you uh we are on facebook isn't that right brad yep uh four corners podcast that is the number four corners as one word podcast give us a like um leave us a comment send us a message we'll be more than happy to chat with you you might even be able to get all three of us involved. Um, and if you like for your your social media to be 140 characters or less, we got the little bluebird platform too, don't we? We do. We are on Twitter. We are uh, we are at podcast four corners. That is the capital letter P, the number four podcast four corners. And uh, we want to grow our followers. And talk to you guys uh, on the Twitters. So please, uh, please follow us, uh, converse with us, all of that. We are also on Instagram. Uh, you can't put spaces in your username on Instagram, so it's the number four. And then Corners Podcast. Uh, I post all of our shows on there as well. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and then there are some people who um, yeah, they prefer email, and that's great too. We got that. Yep, and that is pitpodcast25 at gmail.com. Uh, just a warning, I don't check it often, so it might be a week or so before you hear back from me. I also wanted to mention that if you do like listening to the show, we are available on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and if we're not on a platform that you want, just email us, shout out to us on Twitter, and I will get us on that platform for you. Yeah, um, leave us a leave us a review on there as well on whatever platform. We'd love to hear from you. A um, couple of other things we need to do. If they're for that wrestler wrestling fan in your life that just haven't figured out what to get for them, head on over to Collar and Elbow. Uh, use the promo code for the number four corners podcast. No spaces in there at all. Get ten percent off of your order. Um, 
The guys have some shirts on their way to them right now. I have some shirts myself. They're they're soft. They're comfortable. They're quality. Uh, I can't I can't uh, can't champion them enough. And then our longest running shout out that I actually kind of fear the day when it when it will get resolved. <laughs> what would that be, Matt? They're gonna. Be- it's either going to be the best payoff or the the worst payoff. Um, that would be to Epico Cologne, the one, the only. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So uh, we're recording this on December 19th. So we're just a little bit before Christmas 2018. Uh, we're post-TLC, and there's been some a lot of things that have happened in a real short period of time. Uh, TLC happened, and there's not a whole lot to talk about, but... We're going to talk about the stuff, the the really noteworthy stuff. So I'm going to throw it to the guys. What would you guys say the first thing on that card that's worth uh, checking out would be? Um, well, I don't think it's for checking out. I think the most noteworthy thing on that show was Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose eating their balls in front of the crowd. This, for, have, did you guys see the show or portions of the show? I saw, I saw most of it. I saw a, I saw AJ and Daniel Bryan. I saw pretty much everything except uh, a couple of the pre-show matches, and I didn't see the Bar New Day Usos match. But I saw uh, pretty much the rest of it. Um, and the first off, the I think I think the Ambrose Rollins match was like the longest match on the card, or at least it felt like it. I can check that. And I don't, I don't understand what they were trying to do here because it basically, it was just a match. According to Wrestling Observer Radio, it was supposed to be about how uh, Ambrose was trying to sucker Rollins into an emotional reaction and Rollins not falling for it and trying to like wrestle a regular match. Okay, if that's if that's what they're trying to do, then that's a little too high concept than what they actually needed to do, which was uh, actually do some sort of gimmick match in a pay-per-view that's centered around actual gimmick matches. I mean, you could have done a TLC match, you could have done a ladder match, you could have done a tables match or a chairs match, you could have done any of those four. Um, I mean, you. I didn't. I didn't see the match, but you had an entire Elias uh, Bobby Lashley match. That was a ladder match with it, you know, the, the stupid guitar like hung above. Well, I mean, I mean, Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman in a TLC is the dumbest use of a TLC match ever. I'm going to be honest with you. The Baron Corbin uh, Braun Strowman payoff, though. Was excellent. I enjoyed that very much. They uh, they were limited in what they could do because Strowman's still recovering. Um, and I did kind of from a from a story about guys who've been screwed over by Corbin or just don't like him to come out and do a big schmaz where they're all like attacking him. Uh, it made sense for Angle to come out there and you know give him an angle slam and everything. Uh, it, it was kind of a bullshit thing, but you, you knew that was going to happen. So I don't have any, like, I guess I don't have any issues with that. 
I have an issue with the fact that they've spent like a month of TV with him on TV an hour plus every Raw. Yeah. But, well, I mean, as we could talk about, like, (laughs) clearly the ratings were all his fault, right? It wasn't bad booking or writing. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to that. I mean, it was, I would say it's a solid team effort from everyone. Yeah. Well, the thing that I liked about seeing this, and I know we're jumping around a little bit, the thing I liked about seeing the the baby faces show up with some chairs and just beat the living fire out of Baron Corbin was you finally had baby faces standing up for themselves and not looking like, you know, smiling, blank-faced morons. So that was refreshing. It kind of reminded me, I remember when they kind of blew off the that god awful heel Michael Cole thing and it was just like a parade of like people coming out and getting their payback on him. I don't, but I I, I would like to revisit that. I think it ended with Bret Hart putting him in a sharpshooter. <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, that would be fun. Um Oh, I was going to go back to the, the Rollins-Ambrose thing. It confuses me how you're supposed to have, like, what's supposed to... Let's be honest. It's it's one of the only things that's going on in um, in on WWE right now that would you could put the, the name Blood Feud 2 and it would make sense. But it was so, for lack of a better term, chased that it was it was boring and there's a number of stories floating around one of them is that the the agents didn't do anything with them they were just like yeah guys go out there and, and do your stuff um i don't understand like matt said how we have a gimmick pay-per-view and we have so many non-gimmick matches well, especially this one look i don't know how to boil this down any more simple than this but they were a a trio one of them has to at least temporarily retire because he's in real life getting cancer treatment. Yeah. Am- Ambrose turns on Rollins and then subsequently for weeks gives interviews how he basically says Roman deserves the cancer that might eventually kill him in real life. Yeah. For yeah. some vague reason, they like chase each other for what, two months or something and they finally have them in a match together, and it's uh, it's not even a gimmick match, let alone a grudge match, and let alone even there being like, let's try and make this a little bloody or what have you. Or like, any what standard, were they thinking? And they didn't deviate from the Seth Rollins match formula that he does every single time. No, it, Seth does his stuff. Seth fakes his knee going out. Match continues without that coming into play again. Um and Dean's whole turn didn't make sense from the beginning. Why Why did he turn that night after they won the tag belts? There's no reason behind it. Why would you do this? That, and yet they're, you know, here we are. That uh, Photoshop that they did of their top heels right now, which is Daniel Bryan saying, protect the environment, and Samoa Joe saying, drink responsibly, and Dean Ambrose saying, get vaccinated, made me laugh today. That was really funny. But and also what's terrible about this feud is they really should not have acknowledged ever Ambrose and Renee Young being married because all it leads to is 
Corey Graves pretty much like creating a hostile work environment on the air that would get anyone in the real world fired from their job about 5,000 times by this point. That's another one of those, like, it only makes sense to uh, Vince McMahon things, because I think they've obviously been instructed to have that, like, animosity against one another, but it's not it's not entertaining, and I don't know what the payoff's going to be. Like, does there it, seem to be any payoff? It makes me, like, I, I, I never like Corey Graves as much as other people do, but he is insufferable currently, and I wish he would go away. I like Corey a lot, but this angle thing... It's it's dumb, and you can tell Vince is in their ear about the whole thing. Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I like Corey Graves. I think in terms of if you want like a heel type of announcer, uh, he's the best they've had in like years. Um, doesn't mean he's perfect, and this is uh, this is a good example. He is this particular angle is kind of insufferable, but I, I can't entirely really blame him because it's just again, it's. Vince or whoever in the back thinks this is compelling when it's not. It's just it's confusing and it's annoying. I actually, I I know he's popular to hate on, but I really like JBL on commentary. <laughs> Moggle. I mean, not towards not towards the end, but like before they really like. Before he almost got before they WWE. Before he almost got Mario Ronaldo to kill himself in real life. They said that was over. That was more an internet thing than the truth, according to Morrow. But like, more like, you remember when he? Did, I think like, is is flanderized to make him into a parody yeah. of himself. Like, remember when he did SmackDown in like the mid two thousands? That was crap. Like, What's remember that? when he? Remember when he was doing SmackDown in like the mid two thousands, and he was talking about like Japanese wrestling on the air and would mark out for Brian Kendrick and Paul London, even though they were faces. Yeah, he for a while he was kind of doing stuff that, well, they weren't allowing other announcers to do, so it was very interesting. He was very interesting. He was actually pretty good at that era. I do remember that era. He was good, and I think, I think with this run, he was good until about 2015. That's right around the time of all the Morrow stuff happening, I think. Whenever they started having Brian Saxton on Raw is when he went downhill. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, some other things I wanted to note from TLC, just while we're talking about it. The um, the Bar versus New Day versus Usos uh, SmackDown tag title match. Uh, I know you'd mentioned you didn't get to see it, but it was fun. Like, it's kind of what you would expect out of them, right? Is that it was it was fun and fast paced, and you got to see them do their stuff. I feel like I've seen some variation of those three teams like fifty three times this year. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure it was a really good match. Um, it's also a match with three teams who have fought each other in some combination, literally like all year. That's true. So it's it, and it's kind of shameful as huge of a roster as they have that they never seem to be able to do more, do anything with more than like three tag teams on any of the, either of the two shows. It it's, amazes, the same, it's, it's like the same way with Raw. Yeah, it amazes me that New Japan has such a more limited roster, yet they find ways to like configure the same guys around to make it feel fresh on a annual basis. 
you you have um, you have plenty of teams floating around, and yet not doing any. I mean, for God's sakes, the revival is right there, you know, and they're not doing anything with them. But you have like um, you have like Primo and Epico that you could. Yes, yes, throw. the Four Corners podcast favorite yeah. tag team. Um, no, I'm not even. I'm not even saying that to be a joke, though. Why can't? Why oh, I can't agree you with do? You. Why can't yeah. you do a SmackDown where the New Day defends against Primo and Epico for fifteen or sixteen minutes and do something different? Pre- Look, let's just go with those uh, the three teams who fought in this match. Okay, New Day versus uh, the Colognes. You have Biggie who could do the power stuff, and you have Xavier Woods and Kofi who could do like kind of high flying stuff. Same with Usos. Usos could vary it up between like high flying and technical stuff. Uh, the bar, they're bigger than the colognes. Like they could do like power moves. I mean, Cesaro is like ghastly strong. Like he could be uppercutting them. You could have really like interesting fresh matchups right there. You could the, the colognes moving into that spot. Immediately, you have three new matchups that would be very compelling. Probably put on good matches. Why don't you do it? They, they just—they don't. And it's like it's not as if you have no one else. Like you literally have shown these three teams face each other for all for like the entire year. Oh, not longer than that. Like the New Day Usos thing goes back to like July of last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to give them like the benefit of the doubt. Like, like was, and just cover this year. Like it was tired. Like Usos and New Day was feeling a little worn out by Hell in the Cell last year. Yeah. Or you could bring over Lucha House Party, even though I don't understand like the rules to the Lucha House Party. They don't either. They they just slapped a name on it to so they could do whatever they felt like they needed to. Um. Like I said, you could put the revival in there and just have these guys whose teamwork is so good that it throws a wrench in everything. But I'm I'm going to champion the revival until something big happens for them. So we had the we had the tag match. I said it's good, and I got to give the teams credit for as many times as we've seen them do that. It's still fun to watch. Um. We had Mysterio versus Orton, which was good for Mysterio's parts. Uh, Orton, wow, he was moving like a quarter speed, it seemed like. Hey, remember uh, when Remember when uh, Rey Mysterio, everyone was hot to trot for him, and then they, like, ruined that with the, by having him feud with Orton? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember another favorite of mine having the same thing happen. So, uh... The some some really good stuff to watch on this show though. Uh, the other big programs, um, Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE title was fantastic, and that was probably was, WWE match of the year. If I had to, if I from had this, to say from this show, yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but it was very good. Oh. Actually, no, crap, I, crap, I, I sorry, I forgot. I was forgetting. Um, it would be the best main roster match of the year, but not better than Gargano Champa one and Gargano Almas. Hmm. Yeah, Gargano Champa one was really. This was really good too, and you had these two guys who, um, the, the, God, they worked so hard. 
And then the finish was great, too. So Daniel Bryan's been killing it as a heel. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Did you see the uh, interview he did, the promo he did for this match prior to uh, the show? Did that involve Daisy and uh, yeah, yeah. consumerism and stuff? Uh, yeah. Uh, I've seen clips from it. I haven't sat down to watch the whole thing. Having a new kid kind of, I, I kind of have to be picky about what I right. <laughs> spend my time for those, on. For those who haven't seen it uh, before this, the match on the pay-per-view, they they were doing promos. He was like backstage doing promos. Um, or maybe it was actually, I think, one of the pre-shows. And he gives, he gives this, uh, Daniel Bryan gives this entol- the entire promo about how uh, again, basically against like uh, consumerism and uh, killing of animals is part of that. Uh, how he's going to take the world title and he's going to like, uh, you know, strip the metal off of it and replace it uh, with something uh, sustainable because he doesn't like how they used cow leather um, from a cow and he named the cow Daisy for I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess he just chose the name. Well, the it's like cow. When you, it's like if you go to a seafood restaurant. And a kid names all the lobsters in the tank. You can't eat any of them. Mm. So you put uh, the name on it. Uh, yeah, I'd I, I fucking eat that good. delicious lobster. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Roy. You got to die. <clears throat> so, yeah, that one was, it was, God, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was really cool. And then, uh, I feel Becky like, Lynch. I feel oh, like boy, the, right? I feel like the, Daniel Bryan stuff is really good, but it's being wasted in a vacuum of garbage. There's not a whole lot of good going on at the moment. It's the unfortunate part. It's pretty much Daniel Bryan and Becky. However, those two are really good, too. So, um, the, the, the main event on this show was actually a TLC match. Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Oscar for the SmackDown Women's Title. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really good. It was fun to watch. Everybody worked hard. Um, I think uh, Becky uh, just about caved in Charlotte's rib cage at one point, and then Charlotte tried to, you know, cave Becky's chest in later. But um, yeah, it was hard hitting. It was good. It was entertaining. It, it it's what you would. It's everything you'd want out of a main event. Yeah, I actually really like the match. This, if I had to give people recommendations for this particular show, it's watch the the Brian Styles match and watch this match, and the rest is pretty much skippable. But this was a this was good. Um, I probably didn't like this in terms of gimmick matches. I liked uh, Becky and Charlotte's match, uh, both at Survivor Series and and well, actually that wasn't a Survivor Series that Becky was injured. I'm sorry. I liked this one better than I liked Charlotte Rousey at Survivor Series, and I liked it better than Becky Charlotte at Evolution. Um, I can understand. Wait, I think I had that backwards. I actually liked Becky Charlotte at Evolution better than this, but this was pretty good. I can understand that too. <laughs> um, it was really good, and of course, there's a screw. Yeah, setting up Becky to win the women's Royal Rumble, and I presume challenge uh, Rousey for the title. Um, 
I'm still gonna, very nervous. They're gonna they're gonna weasel Charlotte in there somewhere. I think. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I'm afraid that they're they're gonna do that. Um, I, no offense, but I don't. I really don't want that at all. I think it'd be perfect. You have, if you keep Asuka as a champ, that it makes perfect sense that you could have uh, Asuka Charlotte the sequel, basically. Oh, that build would be so easy too. Yeah, so it, it, that'd be perfect. And I, I really want Becky because look, I don't know if you noticed it, but when Becky came out uh, for this show, like people got up out of their seats, like people, people were popping, like people were going crazy for Becky. And I know, I, I know, like Meltzer has said this, and it makes sense because she's a much, <clears throat> excuse me, bigger across media star. Like Rhonda may maybe should be the focus but we're also in, er, entering into this like weird area with Becky where she literally has like Austin level heat at least like inside the company and since everything else that they're doing is like shit <laughs> they might as well try and push her and they have like a rare opportunity to do that with her I'm sorry but like if you're going by fan reaction and interest right now Becky mm-hmm. is a far bigger star than Ronda Rousey like she might Becky's have... a far bigger star than just about everybody else in the company right now. <laughs> because this is the thing, like people, Ronda has UFC fans and she has that like multimedia effect. But when people, anyone that's even remotely in the wrestling sphere or who would watch wrestling, like perk up their ears about the Becky stuff. Like that's the thing that's actually like drawing people to have any interest in it. I agree. Um, at least, in the, well, I agree and I disagree. I agree. I see the logic in what people like Meltzer are saying. She's a bigger star in the wrestling sphere right now. Becky? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they don't. They don't look at that. It's the same thing. The same issue, like how, why they've been cramming Roman down our throats for like years until literally like real life took him out of the picture is that they don't want, they don't care about just wrestling. Remember, like, Vince McMahon, like, we make movies. Like, no, you yeah. don't. You do wrestling shows. But they want, they want someone who can go on Good Morning America. They want someone that, you know, USA Today will do a piece on. And, and that's going to nine times out of ten be someone like Rousey versus uh, Becky. Even though, again, they're entering into this, they really have stumbled inadvertently even though they actually even tried to like throw cold water on it they stumbled into an individual i.e becky lynch who is like firing on all cylinders right now and actually has the capacity to not only advance their product but advance like women's wrestling in general even more than what ronda has been doing all year i Uh, think they i think they're in a dual there's a dual thing going on right now that mm -hmm. um i don't think there's smart enough to pick up on or they're too stubborn to pick up on there's all that stuff you said about becky like she's really caught on in a way i don't think they anticipated and they've fallen into that problem with when they were trying to throw water on daniel bryan which is just making the crowd dig in more so they've they're kind of they've kind of been more willing to go with it this time but i still you still see that hesitation with them but I think at the same time and on the other end, which I don't think they're quite catching on to, is 
Ronda Rousey would be my rookie of the year. I think she's been really great in ring, but she's kind of not the star they want her to be. And I don't think, um, I don't can, think they're going to catch on to that. I mean, can you, can you elaborate on that? I think that's a very interesting point, but I want to know exactly like what you mean. Like, she's how- not like, okay. So they, they're putting her on TV every week and the ratings are in the crapper, which if she was a big enough star to do, you know, if she was a big enough star and in fairness to her, the product around her is garbage, but you just don't seem to be seeing her pulling numbers, which you think a star, like, which they were hoping she would do. I kind of don't blame her for that. Uh, I don't, I, I would cut her a lot of slack on that. I get what you're saying, though. It's like if she is the level of star that they would think that she would be, that she would be able to kind of pull everyone up. I mean, this yeah. is gonna sound this is gonna sound like a weird analogy. Um, I don't, I don't like LeBron James, like I don't, <laughs> like. But I have literally seen LeBron James in NBA Finals and in other games take a mediocre team and literally pull them to victory, like time and again, because just of like his talent and the force of his personality. Um, you would think, I guess it's difficult to say if, if you had like a Hogan type back in the day could do that. She's, she's kind of like, and, and this could all change. And like I said, she doesn't have good opponents and um, the show has been a train wreck, but she's, uh, she's Bret Hart. She's, she's Bret. Hart. I wanted to, there's, there's two things in this that are going on. I'm, yeah. There's two things in this going on that I wanted to, I wanted to put out there. The first one is like you guys were saying, Ron is out there doing stuff, but the problem is she's not being given like she's doing great in the ring, but she's not being given a whole lot to like because she was a household name. And then she goes and she starts there and everybody's like, what are you doing? It could explode, but it hasn't because let's be honest, who wanted to see Rhonda work a program with Nikki Bella? The other thing that bothers me is we have. Out of out of everybody in the company, I'd say one of the, the three most popular people up there with AJ and Daniel Bryan in terms of crowd reactions in Becky Lynch, maybe even eclipsing them, but definitely on their level, who has come, you know, she got her opportunity, she picked up the ball, she ran with it, it's been huge, right? She's such a big name that before TLC happened, the replica belts for the SmackDown women's title was 20 bucks higher than everything else in WWE shop because they could get the money for it. And yet they're trying to throw cold water on it and kill it. So where does this whole thing about you grab the brass ring and you can succeed bullshit fit into it? Because you have someone who's done that and is drawing more reactions than anybody else. And you're like, ah, she's supposed to be the heel, or they don't know what they're talking about. It's like, you want me to grab the brass ring for you if you're going to take someone who's done it and try and cut their legs out from under them? They've been hypocrites about that particular thing for a long time. And I actually don't entirely understand it, because, I mean, back in the day, obviously, if you had someone who took off, you would push them. Let's be, let's be realistic. Look. When he first, when they first trotted him out there, The Rock 
Rocky Maivia was a disaster, but he, he reinvented him, he reinvented himself and he got himself over. And I mean, maybe they were behind him, giving him a little bit of a push, but he was the one who predominantly took off. And that there's been other examples, but he's like a obviously like a pretty big one. Well, look at look but, at and that. they did that back in the day, but nowadays, and it has been this for years. It's like if you get yourself over, like you're you all you're pretty much punished if you, that wasn't the plan. Right. Look at look at Rikishi, like for someone that they just kind of brought in as a mid card afterthought, and he got really over because he danced, and they gave him like an upper mid card slot for like a year. Yeah, and. I know that they've been doing this crap a lot. It just frustrates me to see it on the scale of what Becky's doing, and yet they're still trying to. They still tried to cool it off. I think it they, just infuriates me. I think they've yeah. been a little better. Like they're actually like unlike Rusev and a lot of these other ones, they're actually kind of they're kind of adjusting midstream to it and actually accepting it. But like I said, I think I think there's a dual problem where they're. They're, they've been a little gun shy with her, but Rhonda, I don't think they see that they need to course correct a bit, like with what they're doing with her, to try and like fix that before they screw it up. And I've heard rumors that they might turn her heel, which I think will be death for Rhonda. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's going to help anything. I think they had the opportunity to turn her heel, but not for a long time. Yeah, like they have. I don't know how long her contract is, and I don't know how. Uh, I don't know. I don't know those details, but they they have a ready-made storyline they could go with for, I guess, at some point, year two of her career, with uh, the four horsewomen of wrestling and the four horsewomen of MMA. Like that's yeah, but no one gives a shit about that angle other than them. You I feel like you, you could, could build them pretty yeah. easily, though. Yeah, but I two feel of, like you, two of them, you could make them give a shit. Two of them barely. You don't even know if two of the the MMA women can actually wrestle, though. Fair enough. Oh, uh, that's a fair point. But it's you, you, the God. I don't know. It frustrates me because we're in this place where they're they. It's the same problem they've had for a long time. They get so locked in on a course of action that they won't deviate from it, and it's screwing with the product. But so they're see, so locked in on Ronda v. Someone at Mania that you couldn't, like, you couldn't have Becky over on SmackDown just be awesome, and then like, you couldn't have Charlotte like, Charlotte wins the Rumble. Charlotte decides to challenge Ronda because I'm just sick of hearing about her, and you just go from there. You don't have to have another three months of backstory behind it. The thing is, they need better opponents for Ronda. Like, I would honestly, like, they should have just brought some of the Mae Young classic women up. Like, have someone like Tony Storm wrestler. Like I said, my wife watched Hiroyo Matsumoto, and she's like, why can't she wrestle Ronda? Like, get that some really good... That would be interesting. Good... Is, is Ronda says, I'm not just throwing out an open challenge to my roster. I'm throwing out an open challenge to any woman around the world that wants to come and meet me. And so you bring someone in, you give them a nice payday, you go out there, you have a really competitive match, and Ronda wins, and it's like it's interesting because it's like, oh, I wonder who it's going to be, and I wonder, you know, how how play out on this, and you get to build her up, and you get to do some cool stuff. You could easily do that. 
And, and you could even, a, you, I mean, this is, that's almost, go ahead. I was going to say, and she was a shoot fighter, so bring in Joshi workers and just, like, that will work, sn- that if she's willing to, like, that'll just stiff the, like, let her and that worker stiff the fuck out of each other and it'll get over huge. The Joshi workers would know how to protect her, too, and have a good match. Um, I, you could easily do, this would almost take it back to, like, the territory days where you're, like, cycling people through and back. But you could easily take someone like Matsuda or even, like, uh, Satomura, since she was in the Mae Young Classic, too. You could you could have them come in for, like, have them sign, like, a two, three-month contract. That's it. Just be like, hey, we want to hire you for two, three months. You're just going to be working TV and maybe a pay-per-view or two with Ronda. And that would... They'd have good matches. You could easily do... Hype it up. Like, these are, you know, some of the the finest wrestlers from Japan coming to challenge for the world title. You could easily do something like that. Yeah. Or even... it's The point is, like, they don't, they don't even care about the opponent. They only care about the opponent in the sense that it's building up Ronda. But again, you're making Ronda look like this Hogan-esque person where she's taking on all comers and, and fighting them. I mean, that... It's a different environment, kind of, but you could probably try... It's worth... I would say it would be worth experimenting to try the old-school Hogan formula where yeah. you're just bringing in a new heel to, like, fight off with them for a little bit and then cycle it onto a new person. But even even if you don't go outside of that, why not... Have her work Nikki Cross. Have her work someone just is like, pain is my pleasure in life. Well, that, I think they have a perfect opportunity to have Rhonda face against Lacey Evans. Oh, God. <laughs> How would you... So I, I Speaking of ta- painful. I remember we talked about her during the Mae Young Classic, and we were talking about her being a project. Why? Why would you call her up? My take on it is that outside of, I don't know, maybe Vince liking her because she's pretty and blonde. Um, I think of the right person, right? No, Lacey Evans is, isn't Lacey Evans the one that looks like Ember Moon? Oh, am I confusing people? That's, that's who I, that's what I was trying to look up. I think it's Lacey Evans. Oh, no, 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 no. Lacey Evans, low. I know who you're thinking of. That wasn't Lacey Evans? No, Lacey Evans is the one that dresses up like a USO girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got the picture. It's got kind of the old school 40s vibe going. Yeah. Let me see. Oh. Huh. Did she wrestle in the Man Classic? No. The problem is, if they're statuesque and blonde, Vince wants them in the ring. Even if they have no business at it, see also um, Lana. My apologies to the listeners. I have my youngest here with me, and he is pissed. Now I have to know who that that other woman was. Let me look. That was also Lacey Lane. Okay. Yeah, Lacey Lane. Well, that's really bad what you're getting. Your Lacey's mixed up. It's easy to do. I don't. I know I've seen Lacey Evans wrestle by the look of her. She's not. I don't think she's anything special. Uh, yeah, I've seen some of her matches, and I can't. Nothing really stood out. Yeah. So then um, EC3 got called up, which I think he'll be an improvement. They're not going to do anything interesting with him, but 
He has a personality, at least. Then Lars Sullivan, who I'm not a big fan of. Heavy Machinery, who are fun, but yeah, they'll be jobbers. And I, I'm confused by the Lars Sullivan call-up. He's kind of a project. He's a bit of a project. He needs more work. Um, but also, uh, they have so many heels now. I know. Like three fourths you don't of need, the roster heels. Yeah, you don't need another heel because they're not going to bring him in and push him as a face. Like they're going to push him as some sort of monster. Like at best, he's going to be like a tweener, where he's just fought, fighting everyone. But you already have a monster too. You have Strowman, which you're not. I mean, he's injured, but you you also were like dicking around, not doing much of anything with him. Like, what are you going to do with Sullivan? Yeah, they need faces. They need like. I, um... I'm going to assume that that Sullivan winds up going to like SmackDown, but who are you going to feud him with? I don't know. It's, it's such a bizarre, like... like you got you to put him with, like, Ray. But they didn't they didn't even do anything with, like, the last round of call-ups. Like, do you remember that Sanity's on the main roster now? Well, I do. Now, I, I, but... I do, but they don't. Yeah. I have to presume... The, I haven't been to a house show in a long time, but I, it's been months, but I have to presume... That if those guys are still, if they're not just sitting at home, that that's the only way you're going to see them. Like they're just in some random tag match on a SmackDown actually, house show. I'm actually going to a house show the 27th. Hmm. So I'll so, see if they're there. I'd have to look at the latest edition of the uh, the Observer. Try and scroll down to the results. So what did you guys make of, like, the whole Vince thing afterwards? Like, with the, this show sucked, we're changing it. Like, I pretty much don't expect anything to change because then they pretty much did a normal episode of Raw afterwards. But, yeah, I don't know what they're doing there. I'm thinking they're going to go more McMahons eventually. Because that's fresh and exciting. Because we didn't have, like, Five years of the authority on TV. Well, are they all supposed to be faces now? Like, what's. No, they that... turned Shane Heal, didn't they? Or they were yeah. planning to. Well, that was a plan, but who knows if that's changed now that we, the fans, are the ones choosing the direction of the company, allegedly. I'm, I'm not really optimistic about them changing anything. No. And it's really sad when you watch, like, um, anything else. I watched some of the World Tag League with New Japan over the last couple weeks, and it's just amazing how much fresher and more fun even, like, a throwaway tag tournament is with another company. With more uh, compelling storylines, too. Yeah, or even I've been watching some DDT shows because I got... DDT universe still much more fun I'm sure I could go pop in a random uh, PWG DVD and it'll be more entertaining I mean I think the only thing worse than Raw right now is Ring of Honor television I don't watch Ring of Honor television um, I try I try. I try so hard with them because I'm just like, oh, I'm going to finally get into it and their TV is so boring. 
they're making a lot of moves um since it looks very much like the elite guys and potentially the new japan guys uh aren't really going to be around certainly the elite guys don't seem to be they're planning on them not being around um so they're hiring people but well they they they're not really going to do i think a whole lot with them well they debuted brody king and pco in a stable with um marty scroll and everyone pretty much is instantly like oh you went the most boring route possible with pco i appreciate they need to do something with marty since his contract doesn't expire i think until april but i don't i don't know why they're just doing that sticking them in a stable like and who are they going to fight against i'm imagining jay lethal and jay lethal friends (laughs) socal uncensored it's the SoCal Uncensored contracts are allegedly up. They're allegedly done at December 31st, so unless they sign a new deal, too. I'm I'm interested because have you read much about their the rumors of their alleged promotion? Uh, I'm not. I was talking with uh, with some of my with my buddies in Rhode Island. The I guess there's there's a lot of confusion there. They have. They are in good with someone who could be, you know, in theory, the money mark for the yeah, company. Who is, if they, who is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is yeah, what I've read. So the idea that they could actually form a working uh, company is not outlandish. Like it absolutely could happen. Of course, the biggest thing is for it to be any kind of successful, they would need to have television i mean they could do like a they could they could run like a pwg type promotion but that's obviously i think they they have higher aspirations than that um they would need some sort of tv show um which again if you if you're associated with someone who is part of the jacksonville jaguar ownership team i imagine he would potentially know people in television industry um and there certainly is there's a lot of uh, cable networks out there who are looking for content and would throw gladly throw money uh, I mean, there's still what Pop TV still pays, it still has some sort of deal with Impact, and Impact yeah. it's like five hundred thousand people. I think. Uh, I think Impact uh, does good ratings for what that channel can pull, though. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but I think, like, yeah, they would need. I, I think I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But then there are also people who think that it's all just a big ploy uh, to just work the leverage to get. I don't know WWE deals, but no, because I think I think um, I think after All In and that sort of thing, they realize they can do something successful, and um, if they've got a guy willing to give them money, I think uh, they're going to go for it. This is going to sound very like indie snob, like Markish, because um, at the end of the day. Like this, this is a business. Like obviously, we're fans. <laughs> we want we want to be entertained. But for the guys actually doing it, like it's a business. Like they're in the business to make money. Uh, but given given what they have been able to accomplish in the last couple of years on the indie scene, and including All In, which was a huge success, and I guess if you want to give them a lot of the credit uh, for it, even though it's at this point. No one necessarily thinks they're going to be on the show. I kind of, I kind of would give them a lot of credit for the whole Ring of Honor New Japan uh, WrestleMania show sellout. <coughs> I think so that's 
It's back when the elite. Brad, you there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, what were you gonna say? I think uh, I think there's also a level of goodwill that they have that those secondary promotions have never had before. Like TNA didn't have when they started because if you look at last year, like just Ring of Honor announcing Kenny Omega on a show meant ticket sales. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but what I'm, my, I guess my point is that everything that they've done last few years, like the Goodwill, um, their kind of proven track record, if they can do a company and be successful on their terms and get the lion's share of the money with working only as many dates as they want to, you know, maybe even forming a relationship with New Japan for this company or one of the other Japanese promotions, like why not do that or at least explore it versus just sign up for the WWE where they'd get a payday, but they're also working like 300 dates out of the year and uh, don't have any control over their gimmicks, their merchandise, their storylines you know. I think um, I think when you, if you ever see them sign with WWE, it's going to be when their T-shirt money's dried up and they're getting ready to retire, and they're just going to sign that like three-year deal to get that last little bit of nest egg money. Is I think what you're going to see from them. Oh yeah, and I wouldn't blame them, but I think I don't I don't think that the bubble has burst yet, and no, I, if, if I, I think... was. If I was them, I'd try and ride it out for at least another two, three years and then see what the landscape's like. Actually, I would think they they actually got bigger this year, I think, than they were in previous years. I would agree. Because they, they were smart. Like, when they did the breakup angle, they gave people kind of the matches they wanted to see. And they're good at adding people to, like, the equation just right about when they need to and picking the right people to do that. Yeah. I'd say they have another two or three years of super relevance. And I mean, even the Bucks have been doing this for a while. The Bucks have been in it for a long time. Um, I agree that they have... <clears throat> the Elite in general has only gotten bigger. Um, and it's been a great year for them. I guess we'll uh, we'll probably touch upon that in our end of year wrap-up show (laughs) because i mean i don't even own a lot of wrestling shirts and i own more than one bullet club shirt i'm the same way i um i don't either and yet i haven't gotten a chance to even watch much of anything and i have a bullet club shirt what's that tell you you do i do i have the eight bit mega man uh bullet club shirt uh i got the pac-man one on black friday i was very happy I have uh, quite a few. I even have a, uh, I even have a Switchblade Bullet Club shirt. I remember you talking about getting that one? Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, guys. I had to step away for a minute. I know we, we, we've kind of wandered around on it a touch. Um, did you touch on what's happened on WWE's weekly shows this past week? Um, we kind of talked about how Vince is promising that they're going to listen to the fans and stop sucking. You know, it's funny. They went through last, not this past week, but last week, uh, 
they had Seth Rollins talk about how bad their own show is. And then this week, Vince is talking about now giving you what you want, incidentally giving you what you want, even though we're just giving you the same stuff over again. And Baron Corbin being so bad at his job that he got Paige fired. Um, so uh, the other story I've been hearing is that, well, Vince is running around rewriting all this sort of stuff, but he's not sleeping much at all. It's taken a big toll on him. He's livid about a bunch of things. And the only thing I can think is, Vince, you set this up. This is a product of your work, and you being mad about it is not going to help anything. You know, it's it's um, something has to actually change as opposed to you just telling people it's going to change. Because you just telling people that Roman was the next big thing did not make them fall in line. You just telling people um, that, you know, Becky was supposed to be the bad guy and that did not make them fall in line. There has to be some actual substantive change. And I think Vince has gotten it be more controlling as he's gotten older. Um, I actually think he's probably had to let up on a little bit because it's hard to to keep um, up with everything. And I think that's probably where his aggravations are coming from and why he's getting more kind of meddling as he goes on. Because, I mean, I don't think it's him and, like, Pat Patterson and Jim Cornette and Bruce Pritchard, like, sitting around his pool, like, writing TV anymore. Like, it's this whole involved thing. So, I think he has less... Except he just, he overrides what people... Well, yeah, he does. But, I mean, I'm saying, like, I think... I think because he has to let some parts go and he's not, like, in on every... For Bush died. He came in and rewrote everything. All of it. And it's like, what, you know... But I think, like I said, though, he like it's not it's not him like involved in every minute detail and um, he has to let other people do things. And then it comes across his plate and he that's when he starts to meddle. Because I don't think he trusts like he doesn't trust the people on his staff. My apologies. I know I'm stepping in and out. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, I mean, if he doesn't trust the staff, then why employ them? I don't know either. I think a lot of the problems, though, <clears throat> it, that you can trace back is when Stephanie took over creative. Yeah. I really think a lot of their problems, though, is... It, it, I, the writing is a big part of the problem, but I think people really underestimate how badly, like, the agent's the agenting and like the finishes and who they have winning the matches hurt the product. Cause I think like some of this, I think some of the terrible writing they have, they could actually get away with if the finishes were better and the matches had more faces winning. If the faces weren't made to look like chumps too. Yeah. Which is most of the finishes yeah, and storylines. Yeah. But I think I think people give Vince too much blame for it because like I said, I think it's a I think it's a team effort. And I think um 
I think there's great hope that things are going to magically be better when Triple H is in charge is really just a fantasy that people have. And I think, uh, I think his, I think NXT, like he isn't as hands-on as people think he is. And like I said, I don't, I think some things might get a little better when he takes over, but I don't think he's going to be like the fix all that people are hyping him up to be. I think, things will improve. Um, I think anyone who thinks it's going to be like a night and day thing is mistaken. No, because the thing is he's got some of this stuff has his hands in it too. Like there's a reason like people like Randy Orton and Seth Rollins can fail over and over again and still I'm not pushed to the top. I'm not as down on uh, Seth Rollins as you are, but that would be a good example as to a guy that he, other people who aren't, at, who are probably arguably more over at least at points in t- points in time, aren't given the same level of protection as Seth Rollins is because Seth is a he's a Triple H, I guess creation of sorts. So. I don't I don't necessarily have an issue with Seth Rollins. Um he's not my favorite, but I think it's been made clear more than once and it's kind of happening again is that he should not be the centerpiece of your promotion. Like he really excels in that IC title range and when you try and push him above that, it really doesn't work because he just is missing some of those <laughs> tools you need. I would probably, I would slightly disagree. I think he is a guy you could slot back into the main event, but it's, a, I, it's like a one-off, not like as the guy though. Oh, I wouldn't do like the guy, like the this this generation Cena, or even what they're trying to do with Roman. But um, I think he is a guy you could have there for a little bit until you find the next guy but i think it would be like short term although again this is kind of like it goes like the bigger argument like what they're directionless without roman because they put they they threw everything for years into roman yeah which is still kind of like ridiculous because it's like well if that's the direction you were going going like why didn't you pull the trigger like 20 times before you did Instead of just this stupid thing where it's like, Roman's got the title up. No, he lost it. And now he has to chase Brock Lesnar for another 10 months. It's like, come on. Yeah. And then no one I mean, cares about Roman. But then, of course, it's like he would lose constantly. And then the next month, well, Roman's got the title shot again. It's like, why? Why does he have the title shot? He lost like the last six months in a row. It, that was the worst. Or, oh, like, he... uh he just lost to Bobby Lashley. Oh, this match is so he gets to be in a number one contenders match with Bobby Lashley. Oh, he beat Bobby Lashley. Well, Bobby Lashley never gets to sniff a title shot. Yeah. Off of that. But I, I think, I think, I think you could arguably have built the company around AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan and been okay. Look, if you wanted a long term guy, like you're not going to go with those two because AJ is talented as he is as as tremendously good as he still is he's like 40 so you're not going to base another like 10 years of the company around aj styles daniel bryan like i love him as a worker 
and I think he's incredibly entertaining. Like, guy just came back from like major. He's a he's a head injury away from you being know. Fan. Knock on wood, he's going to stay. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I. It's like every. I'm so happy that they're pushing him. I'm so happy he has another run with the title, but it's like you hold your breath. But there's plenty of guys that they could be like they. They could do like the '90s in a sense, where you have like a bunch of like guys who maybe aren't the guy per se, but you can keep slotting and moving around and pushing. Like AJ, Daniel, like you said. I mean, they should do something with Braun. Yeah, Braun, Big, Big E, like that's someone who would be like fresh and different. Cesaro. <laughs> I, I think Cesaro is talented. Like they'll never do. I think Cesaro is like this is like the peak of what they're gonna do. He's been he's been over enough that he could have main evented for a while though. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the ship has sailed, but for a while it could have been like Nakamura. Nakamura was different, yeah. and he had like a lot of charisma. Uh, I, mean, I think Finn Finn ba- Balor. You could Finn have... Balor absolutely. Finn Balor could be. They could still do it with Finn Balor. Like I don't think they will, but. They could build him up. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, with Finn Balor. Is um, Meltzer wrote about how the more they push the women, like their the women demo keeps dipping. Mm-hmm. And how that's their, that's what's killing them right now is women are just running away from the product in droves. Mm-hmm. The one thing I've noticed about Finn Balor is women really like him, so why don't you push him and maybe your women demo will get better. Yeah, I oh, think would there's... this be because he speaks with a funny accent, so Kevin Dunn wasn't doesn't want to do anything with him. I think with him, the <laughs> problem is they don't. Tr- he got for some reason, and it doesn't happen to everyone, but he got blamed, and they don't trust him because he got hurt. They think he snake bit, but the problem is that happened right after he won the title on a really dumb spot that shouldn't have happened. And then after that, he came back, and he's been fine ever since. There's been no juice. Because, like, I understand. Like, it sucks, but I understand why they're a little gun-shy with the Revival, because they did get injured back-to-back. Like, I understand. I don't like it. But you know what? Okay. I kind of get it. That's kind of a better... Yeah, that's better, like, a better example. Yeah. But... I don't understand the Finn thing because he is he's I mean, he's surprisingly over for the fact that they just have him. He's just been in like a five month feud with Baron Corbin. Mm. Finn has something. It it frustrates me to watch because I see him do. I don't know what five sling blades and eight shotgun drop kicks in the course of a match. But Finn is very dynamic. Finn is very likable. Finn is very visually attractive. And so watching, and then Finn also has the benefit of whenever stuff, if you really want to, you know, pull the trigger, you can bring the demon out. And so there's this very, you know, fast paced, dynamic, fun to watch aspect to him. It's kind of like Rey Mysterio, but, but, you know, Irish. And, um, you get to have this really cool stuff to watch. As opposed to someone, I don't know. Let's 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 use Randy Orton, who stands around so much and doesn't do anything that it's not fun to watch and it's not interesting, yeah. and it makes you want to turn your TV off. Are, are you Rus- Rusev? 
are you are, are you big ligging me? I'm big ligging you like a pouch of shredded bubble gum. <laughs> I would uh I would agree on Rusev. Rusev is a guy that could have I don't know about pushing him like long term, but I wouldn't mind seeing him like do a run with the title. I mean, he's he's survived a lot of bad booking and come back from mm-hmm. the depths of nothing to be really over again and again. Oh, here's something interesting then. Seeing as how they're they're going into we're going into to Christmas and they pre recorded so that you know the guys could be home with their families on Christmas. What an idea, right? Um, they went ahead and announced some stuff that happened on the recorded shows. I'm not sure why, but Rusev is actually getting back to the level he was when he rode a tank out at WrestleMania. Um, and so my hope is that that's just a step to something bigger because the guy has been popular and consistent, and I don't think he's gotten hurt either. So, you know, hey, you know that he can hold up in high-pressure situations. You know he can deliver. You know he's engaging. Why they waited this long to do it, I don't know. But, man, go for it, right? I Honestly, I'd bring Gargano up. Oh, yeah. I would, too, but they've got so many people on the roster right now. It's like... The WCW comparisons keep coming back up. The roster's too big. They talk about their own show not being good to watch. They say, we're going to shake it up and do the same things. Um, They have super talented people that they don't do much with. It's, I'm not saying that it's, it's the, the WCW all over again, but it's really frustrating because showing the same systems uh, i'd love aging is fun to watch baby face he's he, he's like a junior but are they gonna would they do that or would it just be like oh he's in a six-man tag tonight it's like wow that's great thanks i think he'd get pushed but it, he I don't think they'd have him rise above like the the mid card level. I'd want him to. I, I really do. Well, obviously, yeah. yeah. But it, it's. I don't know. It, you'd have to have something like what happened with Brian again. Um. I'm sorry. I, I know. I just came back in, and I came back in like I came in hot, but. It's it's frustrating to me to see all the potential of what they could be doing, and yet they just they stay in the same rut and don't do any of it. And instead of having engaging dynamic TV, they just don't. That's kind of my frustration with them is they're in that '80s mode where they're not signing people because they have a use for them. They're just signing people so no one else can use them. Like, like signing Walter. Like, okay, so I don't get to see Walter on the indie, and you're probably gonna not use him. Woohoo! Correct me if I'm wrong. It, is Walter's gimmick basically that he's a giant monster hoss kind of thing? 
Yeah, kind of. Okay, how many of those do they need? Because between Braun and um, Lars Sullivan and ever Killian Dane, you know, how many of those do you really need? I mean, Walter can actually wrestle. Well, I mean, let's be fair. Killian Dane, Killian Dane did great in NXT. Um, he also got War Machine. Yeah. War Raiders. So, so you have uh, you have Keith Lee. Well, I mean, <laughs> the answer is all. The answer is all the hosses. and they haven't done anything with them. Keith Lee's kind of big fat guy that can do crazy shit, though. Yeah. I mean, I read in the Observer not too, that long ago that there there are offers out there to some undisclosed New Japan wrestlers, uh, and they're like serious offers. No, we don't know who it is, and we don't know really how serious they are. But I think they offered Daito something, and he told him to go pound sand. Oh, I'm sure he's he probably did. Ditched him in the coffee shop. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. There was a story about one of them. They went to go meet. Some, some representatives went to go meet with uh, one of the guys um, in New Japan. And he he had them meet him at a, I don't know, a coffee shop or a noodle shop or something like that. And he, he basically kind of screwed around for an hour and a half, told him he was going to the bathroom and walked out. Well, I know it's not Minoru Suzuki because he would have bitten their faces before he left. I don't know. I I just hope next year is better because I know we I know we watch stuff for this show and it's been just since SummerSlam, it's been tedious as hell to like try and keep up with WWE programming, even like reading recaps. It's frustrating. Again, the big thing that bothers me is to see potential wasted. And there's been so much of that. Yeah. So do you want to wrap this one up for this week, guys? Uh, I believe we've about uh, covered what we set out to cover for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then uh, our next episode, guys, is going to be first show of 2019, and we're going to be doing some uh, year-end reward, year-end awards and probably talking a little Wrestle Kingdom since that show will be rapidly approaching once we hit the new year, which I, for one, am stoked about. Yeah, it should, sure- be, it should be really good. We'll, we'll kind of we'll do like a brief rundown of the card in the next episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, Shad is busy with uh, his young son, so I will close this out tonight. But um, this has been the Four Corners podcast. Thank you as always for joining us, and see you next week. <laughs>